here's what I know to be true of every person in this room this morning. I know this to be true, that no one, no one ever plans to bomb the test. No one ever plans to fail. No one ever plans to blow up their life. No one says, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get messed up. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get messed up on substance abuse. And I'm just going to live rehab after rehab after rehab. That's the life I want to live. No, nobody thinks that. Right? Nobody thinks that. Nobody looks at the, you know, no husband look at, look at his wife or a wife look at her husband on the honeymoon and say, you know what? I've got a good thing going on here, but in about 10 years from now, I'm going to blow it up. I'm, I'm going to fail this marriage. But I'm going to have an affair. I'm going to do something stupid. But nobody, nobody does that. No one plans to fail. And we would just say, well, it just happens. It just happens, Scott. Or, or, or does it just happen? You know, I've talked to a lot of people in my life, and I've had a lot of people come through to, to my my office and conversation and coffee shops and and and, and I, I've talked to a lot of people that have made a lot of different decisions in all different kind of areas of their lives. And and and, and I got to, to look at their big decision. We'll talk about their big usually their bad decision, their their blow ups. Their what were they thinking kind of a decision. And we, will put, we put it on the table. We start to talk about it. We begin to dissect that big decision. And here's what, we, here's what we've discovered. That behind every big decision are a bunch of little decisions. It's a, it's a series, it's a process of little unwise or bad decisions that leads us to the big major blowout, a big major decision. And so whenever you talk about decision making, it's not just an event. It's the process that leads you to that decision. There's micro decision, there's macro decision. Micro process that oftentimes leads us to a macro mess. And here's what I've learned. I've, I've learned that every one of us Every one of us is just two bad decisions away from ruining our life. Two unwise decisions from having a life that ruins, a life of ruin. Compromise, a life of compromise, unwise decision. I, I, I mentioned a statement last week. Um, let me say it again. The decision that you make today will determine the story that you tell tomorrow. Small decision, big decision, but the decision you make today has consequences for good or, or for bad. It will determine a story that you're going to tell tomorrow. And so it's all about decision and making godly decision. Now, when I was in school, 
and I talked a little bit about this last week, but you know, in school, I, especially in, in seminary and college, you know, you take a lot of multiple choice tests. All right, you got your number two pencil and you're ready to go. And, 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 and there'll be time, you know, and, that you come up with a question and, and you have no idea how to answer the question. I mean, even through the process of elimination, you're stumped. Have you ever been there? You've been stumped. It's like, I have no clue. Right? And, and, and so they say, they say, statistically speaking, right? and this is the life hack for some of you college students right here, but statistically speaking, you know, if you get into a multiple choice situation, you have no clue. Statistically speaking, the answer B is your best choice. Just go with B. Right? For whatever reason, B, B has, you know, you have a better chance with B than all the other answers. You just circle B. If you're tough, you just circle B. I, I wish decision-making was that easy, right? I wish decision-making was like, hey, you know, just circle B. You don't know? Just circle B. Just go with and B. I wish decision-making was that easy, but not. That's challenging. But we can learn how to make godly decisions. The Word of God teaches us that. We don't have to just guess our way through life with the small and big decision that we need to make. Last Sunday, we talked about the master decision maker. We talked about his name, Jesus. You know Jesus. He, he, he's the greatest of all time. He, 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 I mean, he knocked it out of the park every time on his decision making. And we noticed that through his life, that he asked three questions. We saw three things that that he filtered every decision that he made, he filtered it through these three questions. And the question is, you know, does it go against, number one, does it go against the word of God? Does it go against God's word? Great question. Then the second question, does it go against the law of love? Well, we should love our neighbors as ourselves, as you know, with the love others, you know? Does it go against the law of love? And the question that I presented last week with that idea is, what does love require of me? And that's a powerful relational question. Listen, that's a question I almost ask every day. I ask that question in my marriage. I ask that question with my kids. I ask that question with my coworkers. I ask that question when I'm driving on Hall Road. <laughs> what does love require of me? Do I cut them off or do I let them in? <laughs> what, hey, that's a powerful question. What does love require of me? Does it go against the law of love? And then the third question that Jesus, that Jesus asked, he said, does it distract me from the mission? Or does it distract me from the, the calling and the purpose of God in my life? You know, and we, we saw that in the garden. You know, hey God, you know, if the cup can be if there's another way to the cross, if there's another way to the salvation of, of mankind, let it be, let, let's do that, let's go that way. But then he said, Lord, let your will, let your mission be done, not mine. And those are the three questions, those are big questions. But then, what if the decision that you need to make, you go through all three questions, and, and, and you don't get the answer? What, what if, there's not a 
scriptural answer? What if it's not a, a love question? What if it doesn't, you know, what if that doesn't answer? What if it doesn't, you know, the mission question, you know, what if that doesn't answer? What about those small little decisions that we make all the time on a daily basis? How do we address that? Well, I want to look at Romans chapter 12. And let's see what, you know, many of you know this passage. But Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And we're going to look at a lot of Paul's writing today. We're going to look at it in different letters. But we're going to see a common theme here. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. Paul says, I, I beg you, therefore, I beg you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, I beg you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Oh, this is your true and proper worship. He said, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the way you think, by the renewing of your mind. Then, he says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Man, isn't that what we're after? I think every one of us, hey, we don't want to plan to fail. We want to, we want to plan to live the excellent life that God has for us. We want to aim for his excellent, perfect will. And how do you do that? How do you make great decisions? Well, according to the passage, we, we've got to think right. So the question is, how do I think right? Because if I think right, if I think Romans 12, 1 and 2 right, then it's going to lead me to live right. But what, what, what's the problem? Well, here's the problem. As, as, as believers, we recognize that there's a line. Uh, just imagine for me that there's a line that goes from the back of this auditorium right down the middle of this aisle all the way to the drums. Okay? And uh, let's just say on this side, you know, um, over here, on this side of the line, you're all good. It's says righteous living right here. Uh, it's like, all right, it's right there. It's like, all right, I, I picked the right side of church today. Over here, this is sinful living. Okay, oh man, you're like, oh man. All right, all right, just, you know, just hang with me, okay? We got righteous living. We got sinful living. Oh, and as believers, you know, we should know the, the difference between right and wrong. But then we have this line. We have this line right here, and this line represents the unwise decision-making that we make through life. This is the line of compromise. This is the line of compromise right here. And the line represents, again, the line represents good, bad. It represents ethical, unethical. Right over here, the line represents over here, moral, 
immoral. There you go. You're all with me. All right, good. All right, good. And, and, and somehow, though, as believers, we recognize that. But as believers, we like to walk the line. There's a drift. There's a gravitational pull to push the envelope. Let's be honest. Well, because of our sin nature, we're envelope pushers. I will push the envelope. We, we, may say some, we may say something like this. We may justify living on the line. We might say, well, if it's not wrong, then it's all right. You know, and listen, you might live on this side of the line. You're like one inch away. And okay, yeah, you're, you're on the right side of things. But you're really close to the line. You say, hey, if it's not wrong, then it's all right. Or if it's not illegal, then, then clearly it's permissible. Or we might say if it's not immoral, then it's acceptable. Or we might say if it's not over the line, it, I'm fine. I, I, I'll get as close as I can without going over. But listen, sometimes we'll go over. And we'll go over just to see how far we can without getting caught. And then we'll come back over here. <laughs> now, come on, listen, listen. Unless you're an unusual driver, you know what I'm talking about. That's the speed limit, right? 45 miles per hour. 45 miles per hour, that's the line. Come on, I know, me too. I, we, we like to get to the limit. I don't know anyone. Um, there are some. That's what makes you unusual. You like to live way over here. Uh, okay, and now I'm over here. You know, what I say to this person? Come on, let's go, slowpoke. Come on, let's get a move on. You know, you're, you're holding up the traffic. Hey, they're doing the right thing. They're not breaking the law. Uh, we, we, we like to go to the limit. If not, we like to see how far over we can go, how far over the line of the law before, we get, before the law catches up to us. So we, 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 listen, we've got to figure it out. For the most part, <laughs> we've got to figure it out unless, until it catches you. Until it catches you this morning. That's right. That's right. Someone, someone had a confession. Confession's good for the soul, Dave. <laughs> Confession's good for the soul. Hey, it, it catches up. Uh, and so, you know, listen. Going through, you're going through Ohio. <laughs> I-75. I know where you're going. You're headed to Florida. Right, you're heading to Disney World. And listen, the Ohio Police Department, they know how to rain on your parade early on. They know how to ruin your vacation. And so you know the limit. And listen, about two miles per hour over, it's the safe zone. I mean, you're pushing it going four or five over. I mean, Ohio, they're looking for the Michigan drivers. All right? Now, listen, when you hit Alabama with a banjo on your knees, you go 15 miles per hour over, you're good. 
you're good. I mean, you're, you're, you're in a great situation right there. You, you know your limits. All right, listen, the point is, we all, all of us, we know the line. And we make unwise decisions. Not, not necessarily sinful decisions. But unwise decisions that will, that can lead you to a decision of regret, to a life of regret. And behind every regret, the pathway, the gateway to regret are unwise decisions. It's unwise decisions. We, we, we live so close to the line, we get as close as possible to this line. And as believers, we should not walk the line. Well, today, God wants us to live intensely. That's the message. How to live intensely. And if we're living intensely, if we're intense, and we start living in line with God, we get away from the line of compromise. We start living for him. We start leading us to righteous living. Look at Philippians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul, again, uh, he, he has a prayer. This is his prayer to the church of Philippi, and it's a prayer for us as well. He said, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in, in, in knowledge. Now, what knowledge? Well, that, that's information. That's spiritual information. You want, to, you want to grow in the knowledge of God's word, information of God's word. And then he says, and depth of insight. Now, what insight? That's discernment. Discernment. It means the application of what you know, of truth and knowledge. And and look what happens when you're living in knowledge and insight, when you have those two things going on. He says in verse number 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best. Not, Not not just good, but best. By the way, good is always the enemy of the best. And sometimes we say, it's just good enough. I'm just, hey, I'm just good enough. I'm just going to get by with good enough. Paul says, my prayer is that you will be able to discern what's best because God has something excellent. He has a life of excellence for each and every one of us here so that we may be, listen, so that we may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness. That, that, that righteous living. That's not living close to the line. That's living over here in the sweet spot of the Christian life. Not trying to see how close can we get without going over. 
And so how do we address this in my, in my life? And so we need to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ to the glory and to the praise of God. So how do I live with knowledge? How do I live with insight, discernment, so that I can live in righteousness and not regrets? There are so many people I know, they're living in the lap pool of regrets. And they're saying, if only, if only, if only, if I hadn't gotten so close to the line, if only I had stayed away from that, if I had stayed over here and made wise decisions, if only, and, and so many of us, our eyes are bloodshot because we're, we're swimming laps around a pool of regrets. He says, Scott, what, what can I do? What, what, what can help me? And you start asking the wisdom question. I gave you three questions last week, but here's the fourth question I want you to download. And begin to start asking. And that question is, what is the wise thing to do? It's it, it really that simple. When you start asking the question, God, what is the wise thing to do? You start asking God, God, what is the wise thing for me to do in this moment? Not, hey, God, what is the right and the wrong thing? God, what is the wise thing to do? And with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, He begins to help you understand and give you the wisdom that you need as you you ask that question that God gives you the answer. God, what is the wise thing to do? Look at Paul again, Ephesians chapter 5. Another familiar passage, verse number 15. He said, be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now, I, I know, I, listen, I know a lot has improved since the first century. But as far as human nature, not much has changed. Us ancient folks, the ancient people, and us modern folks here, we, 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 we are equally prone to live carelessly. We are equally prone to snuggle up to this line, to this edge of disaster. We like to get as close as possible without falling over. We, we're prone to do that. They had a problem 2,000 years ago, it hasn't got better. And so Apostle Paul, he comes along to the Ephesians and says, you know, I need to stop it. Stop living so close to the edge. Stop living so close to the edge of disaster. Stop living close to the line of compromise. Now you can ask my, my parents. We've got, you know, I got two brothers. And, and we go out west. We start going to the mountains. We got the cliffs. You know, me and my brothers, we're young and stupid. We're, we're immature. We want, you know, hey, mom and dad, let's, let's look down the mountain. And what mom and dad doing? They said, whoa, 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 hold my hand and back up about five feet. 
this is, this is Polly. He said, whoa, 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 back off the cliff here. You know, it, you can see it from back here. Stop living so close to the edge. And then Paul goes, he said, making, in verse 16, he said, making the most of every opportunity. In the, in the original language, the phrase could be translated redeeming or ransoming the time. Redeeming or ransoming the time. This is where we get the English word opportunity. Don't you wish that you could go back and reclaim or redeem all the time that you wasted on bad decisions? I know I do. And I, know, and I know for some of you, that may have been just a few weeks, maybe a few weekends. No, maybe for some of you, it was an entire season of your life. And, and either way, imagine, imagine having the opportunity to, to go back and relive or reclaim or reallocate the time that you've wasted. I'm going to think about the money that you've wasted. Think about what you've lost, the bad investment that you made. What if you had the opportunity to go back and, and, and to reinvest that time in something that was more productive and healthy, life-given activities in your life? Imagine, imagine where you be today. And, and I know for some of you that's hard to think about. You man, that, that takes me back. But listen, this sets us up. And the reason why I want to take you back there it's necessary for us to appreciate the invitation that Paul is telling us in Ephesians 5. He said, here's what, he, here's what Paul wanted to do. Paul is inviting you and me to invest our time wisely from this moment forward. From this day forward, you are invited to make the most or to redeem or, or to leverage your most valuable asset, your time. And, and, and to invest your time in a way that actually propel you, propels you forward, not backward, but to propel you forward to a preferred future for your life. And Paul said, listen, it's not too late. It's not too late. You can't change yesterday, but it's not too late from this day forward to keep moving ahead and to reclaim what's lost. And then, and then he said this, and kind of an odd one in here, but he said, you added this little phrase. He said, making the most of every, opp- of every opportunity because the days are evil. Evil days. Now, what, what is he talking about? I mean, we, you know this, we don't exactly live in a moral, ethical, neutral culture today, do we? And, 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 and they didn't eat it back then. When it's the last time you heard, or you saw, or you even read an advertisement or a commercial that encouraged you to be careful. You know, to, to be wise. Have you, have you seen that? You know, make wise choices. And when's the last time you, you've seen a, a, an ad that tells you how to be self-controlled? Because the world, the world is evil. They're pushing you through their philosophy. Our world wants to push us over this line. And they're constantly pulling us. I mean, think about this. Unwise decision. You might be, you know, at a car lot buying a car. I mean, we never see this. Where the salesman, as you talk to the salesman, saying, you know what, you're really thinking this through. I'll tell you what, why don't you go home and pray about it? 
Now, that, that would be shocking because they don't. They, they, want, they want to own you that day. They act like they care about you, but they, they really don't. They just, want, hey, they just want to get the keys in your hand and you sign on the dotted line and they get the commission. They want you, hey, whatever it takes. And so they're going to push you. You might be on the fence. You know, I just came to look. I just came to look. And, and, and before you know it, you're buying a car. I, it happens. And so Paul, to Paul's point, he said, we're not going to get much help from culture, maybe from your friends, but not culture. And the gravitational, the gravitational pull of culture is hop out to the line and to go beyond. How far can we go? And then he said in verse number 17, he said, don't be foolish. Do not be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. Paul said, stop living so foolishly. Stop making unwise decisions in your life because it won't lead you to the place where God wants to take you. Stop living so close to the line. And so the why question, is this the wise thing to do? It may be the best question that you ask on a regular basis. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to suggest that you break that question up into three different tenses. Three different tenses. That's what it talked about. That's what I mean by living intensely. Three different tenses. I'm going to rephrase the question if you're taking notes. In light of my past history, in light of my present circumstances, and in light and looking forward to my hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Past, present, future. So I took that little wisdom question, I blew it up a little bit more. And this may be one of the most practical things that you hear today as you discover decision making and how to make wise choices. Let me talk about the past, past decision. In light of my past history, it's just the wise thing to do. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with this line to quote, those who can't remember the past are doomed to repeat it. Have you heard that before? I've also heard it. Those who don't pay attention to what got them into trouble yesterday, they're liable to wind up in the same trouble tomorrow. Powerful little thought. We all have a past, every one of us. And so often our past can set us up as a reminder to the decision that we need to make. We can look at our past and say, you know what, last time I went there, and you fill in the blank, I went sideways. You know, I didn't cross the line necessarily, but I got really close, and it was a bad, unwise choice. Remember, our taste is two bad decisions to ruin a life. He said, I got here with an unwise decision, and I made another unwise decision before you know where you're at. You're right over here. And so it's based on my past history. I'm going to stay away from that. I'm going to watch out for that. I'm going to stay away from that. I'm not going to get close to that line in that area. And, 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 and listen, everyone's different. That's why this is not a, a sinful, this line may not be necessarily sinful. I mean, you might be on this line. If you're on this side of a line just right here on the edge, you're, listen, you're, not, you're doing the righteous side of things. You're just real close to the line. And for some of you, you know, there might be an area in your life in your past. You say, man, I need to really stay clear of it. 
Because you're vulnerable, vulnerable to it. And what makes, what the area that you're vulnerable, vulnerable to, help me out here, all right? <laughs> vulnerable to is, may not necessarily, you know, bother me. Everyone's different. You know, I look at the past, you might even need to look at the past in your family history. You might say, you know, there's been some things that I've seen in my family, my parents and grandparents. You know what? I'm going to stay away from that. I don't want to be, I don't want to fall into that. It's unwise for me to get close to that area based on my past history. Present, present tense. And a lot of my present circumstances, it's just the wise thing to do. Let's say an investment comes your way. You have an opportunity to quadruple your money. In a few months, someone said, man, this is, this is a life-changing investment. And I said, man, this sounds great, but your present circumstances is this. You're way in debt. You're way in debt. You're, you're leveraged out. You've got nothing to give. And so in light of your present circumstances, you know, it's awesome that that look. It is unwise for me to get more in debt on something that may or may not happen. Maybe later, maybe when you get your house, financial house in order, you can, you know, get involved in some investment. But that's the question you ask. That's an example, an application. You need to ask yourself, in light of my present circumstances, is this the wise thing for me to do? And again, it's different for every person here. The future. The future. In light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? And as a pastor, you know what breaks my heart? What breaks my heart is watching people make decisions that will determine their future in a bad way. And sometimes I see it, I said, no, it's a dead end where you're going. I've seen it with with uh, individuals or couples make relationship decisions, I just know it's going to go south. I, I've seen it with teenagers. They make decisions that are going to result in decades, decades of consequences that they're going to trail behind them. I, I, I've seen it where I've seen parents, where they parent in such a way that they, they eventually drive a wedge between them and their kids. Breaks my heart. Because I see decisions they're making. I say, man, I, I, I'm trying, that, not going in the right direction. So you ask yourself the question in light of your future, what is the wise thing for you to do? See, God wants excellence for your lives, every one of us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, I have the right to do anything, you say. Somebody said, I got the right to do whatever I want. I can live as close to the line as I want. I live here. Well, you can't. And you're not necessarily sinning. But Paul says, but not everything is beneficial. He said, well, I have the right to do whatever I want. Well, yeah. Do whatever you want. You have a free will. And the question is, no, it may not be wrong, but is it the wise thing to do? 
He says, but not everything is constructive. And so what we're doing here, challenging to live intensely, intensely. In light of my past, my present, and my future. What is the wise, wise thing to do? There may be someone here today, the most, most important decision you need to make is a relationship with God. A relationship to know God. You see, you can't live a life of wisdom until you have God in your life. Like God, he can lead you to that perfect, pleasing will of God. He can lead you to a place where you are overflowing with fruits of righteousness. You have to have God in your life. And if you're here today, you don't know Jesus. Died on the cross for you. He was buried. Three days later, rose again and we can have the life that he wants us to live laid you know he gave us the spirit of God in us and it will help you to discern discernment to see what's best and to make the wise decision if you're here today you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior in just a few minutes, we're going to be dismissed, and you're going to hear a few announcements. You're going to hear Pastor Tom and Jonah. Then there's going to be a time, uh, a prayer team can come up to you. They'll pray about anything. You can go up there and talk to them about things in your life. But maybe, just maybe, today, you say, I need to talk to someone about Jesus. Today, I need to ask Jesus in my heart. Any one of our prayer team can help you with that. Any one of our staff can help you with that. Do not leave here without making the most important decision of your life. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. And we're thankful for what you give us. You give us the Spirit of God in our lives to help us make wise decisions. The gravitation of Paul and Oliver was to live as close to the line as possible, making unwise decisions in our lives. Help us to remember that the unwise decisions that we make can ultimately lead us, ultimately lead us to a life of regret. God, you want us to live godly lives. You want us to make godly decisions. So God, help us to wake up. Help us to stop living so carelessly. Help us to stop being so foolish. But help us to understand what you want us to do and how to live and to live wisely. Perhaps, God, there's someone here today that don't know Jesus. I pray that today they will make that decision. I pray that they will have the boldness, the courage, to talk to someone about what it means 
to make this most important decision in your life. In Jesus' name, amen.